Well, the uh, book of Mark is often one of the most overlooked books of the Gospels. Uh, and there, there's a reason for that, partly because it's one of the shortest, uh, but partly also because it shares a lot of the stories uh, that we read about in Matthew and that we read about in Luke. Uh, in fact, uh, those two Gospels, Matthew and Luke, they kind of expand on what Mark has written. And so because of that, once you've read Matthew, once you've read Luke, a lot of people just kind of say, oh, I don't need to read Mark at this point in time. Uh, but if you were to ask me, if you are a uh, first time reading the Bible, which gospel to read first, I would tell you to read Mark uh, because it is an excellent primer in the story of Jesus. Uh, my friends uh, look at, looking at Mark uh, say that Mark can really be divided into two sections, the he and the we of the Gospel of Mark. Uh, essentially what, what I mean by that is this, you can take any story that is found in Mark uh, and, and beyond any of the other Gospels, you can kind of split it into two different categories. Uh, the he sections are the sections about Jesus. Uh, asking questions of who he is, why is he doing this, what is he doing, how did he do it, and asking those questions focused on Jesus. Uh, then we have this other section that we call the we section, and this is where Jesus tends to invite people to be on mission with him. Uh, he's talking to people, taking them along with him, letting them do ministry as well. And so that's, that's kind of how we divide the book of Mark. And what I want us to do over the next uh, couple months as we lead up into Easter is look at Mark based on these two ideas, the he of the gospel and the we of the gospel. And so we're going to do two different series uh, to lead into that. The first one we've called Called, uh, and it's going to be looking at the we sections. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. Uh, and this is going to be the start of this we section of the gospel of Mark. And this is what it says. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people, or I will make you fishers of men. Uh, at, at once they left their nets and they followed him. And when he had gone a little further, he saw the son, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them, and, he left their, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boats and with the hired men, and they followed him. This is the call of the first four disciples of Jesus. This is where he is inviting them to be on mission with him. And what I see in this are four different things about the calling uh, that we need to be aware of in our own lives. Uh, the first aspect of this calling is that Jesus is calling them to come to him. Uh, it starts off with that, come to me. And before we talk about coming and answering the call of Jesus in our lives, the first step that we must always take is to come to him. Mark uh, is a very fast-paced gospel. Uh, it was written probably to the Romans, and the Romans people were all about action. And so throughout his gospel, if you read it, it's, Jesus is always moving, okay? We even read in this, at, at once, without delay, he calls James and John. So Jesus is always moving, he's always going forward, and because of that, Mark tends to kind of leave out some backstory. 
And he does it in this section because, honestly, what four guys, if a random person came up to you and said, come follow me, would drop everything that they were doing and follow this stranger. So there needs to be some backstory. And we read about the backstory in, in the Gospel of John in verse chapters 1 and 2. There we're told that Jesus is baptized, and afterwards uh, he's walking along the road where John the Baptist is. And John the Baptist points to Jesus and says, Behold, the Lamb of God. And there's two guys with, with John as he's saying this. One is named Andrew, and the other is named John. And they hear Jesus or John the Baptist say this about Jesus, and they leave John the Baptist to follow after Jesus. And they bring with them their brothers, the other two men in this story. And they follow Jesus around as he begins the very beginning of his ministry. They go with him to a wedding in the town of Cana where Jesus turns water into wine. And so they're with Jesus and they're listening to Jesus and they're seeing these early miracles of Jesus. But for one reason or another, they decide to go back to work, which makes sense, right? We all have to work. Not all of us have the ability to walk around the countryside with a rabbi. And so these men go back to work, and, uh, and after a period of a couple of months, Jesus comes back to them, and he offers this invitation to come. So it's not just a random uh, meeting along the side of the road. They had been with Jesus already, so Jesus is now calling them into this discipleship with him, this mission that he has. And this call to come, it is not a call to repentance, Right, they've been with John the Baptist. They've listened to John preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. More than likely, they have themselves been baptized by John. So it's not an invitation to come and repent of your sins. Rather, it's a, an invitation to commit. They've been with Jesus. They had gone back to their previous lives. And now Jesus is coming to them and saying, you must Come now. It's a commitment to drop everything that they're doing, to quit their jobs, and to make Jesus everything in their lives. I wonder what people thought of the disciples as they did this. Uh, we know that Simon has a wife. Uh, he has a mother-in-law that Jesus will heal uh, a little bit later in the gospel stories. That means he had a wife in order to have a mother-in-law. Right, and so uh, I wonder what Simon's wife thought when he came home and said, guess what, honey, I quit my job and I'm going to follow Jesus. What were the conversations behind those closed doors? I can imagine what my wife would say. And so I can probably imagine what she had to say about it. But he is inviting them to commit to him. And we are invited in the same thing. We are invited to come to Jesus to commit everything of who we are to him and him alone. But sometimes we don't. And I wonder if sometimes the reason why we don't commit to come to Jesus with everything that we are is because we're afraid. And we're afraid to give up the control of our lives. I mean, I have plans. I know where I want to be five years from now financially, spiritually, uh, uh, physically. 
And I kind of have a plan on how I'm going to get to a lot of those different places. And, and I'm sure that most of us in this room have that somewhere in the back of our minds. And the call to come to Jesus, sometimes it's a call to give up those plans and to follow a different path. And that can be scary. I understand that it can be very scary to give up all the plans that we have set out and that we have meticulously worked on. But it's rewarding if we do. I think farmers understand this the best. The farmer, he will go into his field and he will plan out everything. He'll plan out what type of crop it's going to be in there. He'll do everything in his power to provide the nutrients that the ground will need for that crop to grow appropriately. Uh, they may even spend a lot of money building uh, systems that provide water in case there's drought. But at some point in time, the farmer has to give up control. He can't control how fast the crop grows. He can't control whether there is a drought or if there's too much rain. He can't control uh, whether there's an early frost that kills uh, the plants before they've even started to grow. At some point in time, he gives up control and allows the harvest to come. And in our lives, that's what needs to happen. When Jesus calls us to come and be on mission with him, we must give up control and allow God to work through us. So we see here that Jesus calls us to come to him, but we also see that Jesus calls us to follow him. This was a traditional calling of that time period. Uh, think about our school systems for just a moment. Our typical school systems in the United States, we send off our kids for 13 years to sit there in classrooms and learn a bunch of stuff that maybe they'll use, more than likely they won't. All right, it just depends. And maybe they will, maybe they won't, who knows. All right, and so we do that every single time that we have a child here. And then after those 13 years, those children, they either apply to go to college or they go to technical school or they enter the workforce. That is our school system. Well, the school system in the, in the Palestine world at this time was a little bit different. They, they did send their kids to a synagogue school, typically, where they learned how to read and to write. Right? One, but by the time that they were 12, most of them were out working with their parents. And they were learning how to do the family trade so that when the father passed away, they could continue to support the family as best as they could. Only a select few got to stay on and learn a little bit more and, and, and with the hopes that a rabbi would come around and choose them. They didn't get to apply to the rabbi. The rabbi chose them. They would travel around the countryside and they would interview these kids that had been studying throughout the school system. And they would finally get to the point where they said, you know what, I like you. Why don't you follow me for a little bit? And so these words of Jesus, they aren't unique. It was a typical calling of a rabbi for you to follow them to live life like them, to watch how they did things so that eventually you yourself could be a rabbi and have your own disciples. So Jesus comes to them and he says, follow me, be my disciple, watch what I do, how I care for people, how I teach people what I believe, and then you can pass that on to the next people. This idea of following is important. I mean, think about for a moment you decided to go for a walk today down the streets of Mexico. I don't know why you do it today, but just imagine it's 50 degrees outside and you're walking down the streets of Mexico. And you decide to bring a friend along with you and you decide to walk the streets of Mexico. And more than likely what you're going to do is you're going to stand side by side with them 
and walk down the sidewalk. That way you can have a conversation. You don't have to look back and, and watch where you're going because you, that's a trip hazard, right? All right, you're going to stand side by side. But in Palestine, their streets for the pedestrians were not that wide. It required one person going in front of the other person. And so this idea of following requires a leader to walk in front of you and to lead the way. Jesus is saying, I am that leader. Follow me. This call is significant. Jesus offers it to a number of people within the gospel. And, and while 12 men do accept that call, some do not. Some reject it for one reason or another. But beginning with these men, these four that Mark tells us about, we see that Jesus extends that call beyond them. At the end of Jesus' life on earth, once he is done with his ministry, once he's done everything that he could do to prepare these men to be the next rabbis, Jesus will tell them something very important at the end of Matthew. He will tell them to go and make disciples. They, they are to continue on, to continue to go to people and say, follow Jesus. And so this extension of following Jesus is not just left to the disciples. It's also offered to us. The question is, will we answer the call? Following Jesus is not easy. It's not necessarily the most popular thing. It's not necessarily the, the thing that's going to make you get through life the best without any troubles. In fact, depending on where you live, it could even cost you your life. Uh, this week, a couple of men on a motorcycle rode up to a church outside of Cairo, Egypt, and they decided to fire on the Christians as they were leaving church. This century, the last hundred years, have been the deadliest for Christians in the entire world. Maybe not in the United States of America, but in the world, more Christians have died in the last hundred years than in the last 1900 years combined. Following Jesus is not always easy. But if we will follow him, he will take us even through the dark valleys of life. He wants to be our leader if we can give up control for just a moment to follow him. So Jesus is inviting us to come to him. He's inviting us to follow him. He's also inviting us to be fishers of men. The fishing system in that time period, it was a very important trade. In fact, uh, it was one of those food commodities that could travel fairly well uh, for that time period. And so Palestine thrived on the fishing trade of the Sea of Galilee. A person that worked there could make a, a decent living for themselves. Uh, we kind of see it in this story. Uh, notice that the sons of Zebedee, James and John, they leave their father as well as the hired men that were in his boat. Zebedee had done such a good job at fishing that he had mo enough money to hire people to help him out. Right? That's how big his business was. This was very abnormal. Most people just did their things on their own boats. You didn't hire people to help you. 
All right, so it, it was a very lucrative trade if you can make it so. All right, and, and, and here are these men that have spent their entire lives learning how to fish for fish, and Jesus is inviting them to learn a new business, to fish for men. And it's not something they knew. And they had spent their entire lives learning how to fish for fish, but they knew nothing about fishing for the souls of men. And even after Jesus had spent a number of years with them, they still didn't get it. On the night that Jesus was arrested, the guards come, and we see that Simon takes a knife, and he cuts off the ear of one of those guards. I don't know about you, but I don't think that's what Jesus meant when he said to fish for men. He didn't get it. And yet Jesus still worked with him. Uh, Jesus easily had the most patience out of anybody I can imagine. You know, he had worked with these men over and over again, these grown adults teaching them what is right and what is wrong and reteaching them what is right and what is wrong and reteaching them. And I get, I lose patience after like two times with my kids. So I can't imagine how, how much patience Jesus had with these men. And yet he moved them to this place where they could, could do this job. We are called to fish for men. And, and the craziest thing about this story, about these men in particular, is the fact that they were not perfect. I mean, Andrew, we don't hear anything else about of Andrew throughout the rest of the gospel stories. He, there's one time at the end of John where he brings some people to Jesus, but that's it. You don't really hear about him in the book of Acts. Uh, Peter, he, he, he acts before he thinks, and that's not a good thing in a lot of ways. He speaks before he, does, before he thinks about what he's saying, puts his foot in his mouth. He was a screw-up. James and John, they're the guys that got their mother to come to Jesus and say, hey, make my sons the most powerful people in your kingdom. Remember that story? I mean, these guys... They have lots of issues. And yet Jesus takes them and creates this community around them where they can fish for men. I think a lot of times we're very hesitant to accept the call of Jesus to come, to follow him, to fish for men, because we feel like we are inadequate. We're asked to speak and we don't know what we're going to say. We don't know what we need to say. And so we get so scared at what Jesus is calling us to do that we get to the point where we just say, you know what, I'm not going to do that. And we reject the call so often and so long that we just tend to ignore the call that God is giving us in our life. But the thing that we can learn about these men is that even though they were inadequate, Jesus made them adequate to do what needed to be done. See, Jesus doesn't just call us onto mission with him and say, you go over there and not, doesn't, and not lead us the way. Jesus takes us every step of the way there. Wherever God is calling you, he will help you get there. If he's calling you to preach, he'll teach you what to do for sermons. If he's calling you to evangelize to people, he will help you know the words to say to bring them closer to Jesus. If he is calling you to go to another country, 
He'll give you the courage to do that. Jesus will give you everything that you need because he is the leader. He will train you in what needs to happen. And so we should not allow our fears of inadequacy to keep us from answering the call of God. Jesus is calling us to come to him, to follow him, to be fishers of men. But the last thing I think we see in this is that Jesus is calling these men to radically change for him. All they've known in their lives is fishing on the Sea of Galilee. And yet Jesus is calling them to give it all up and to follow him and to be different people. If you were to read the book of Acts, you would see these same men pop up again. And you would almost think to yourselves that maybe, just maybe, they aren't quite the same people. Simon is not so much a bull in a china cabinet as he is gentle and kind and seeking lost people. John is no longer all about power, but rather he's about helping people find Jesus. These men's lives are radically changed because they chose to follow Jesus. A couple weeks ago, we had a missionary here by the name of Mark Toomer. If you listen to Mark's story, it's it's pretty fantastic. He uh, owned a construction business before he felt God calling him to preach. He never preached before in his life. And he accepted that call and his life is radically different now than it was then because he accepted this call. These four men, they're radically changed because of their interaction with Jesus. Other people in the gospel story, as they interact with Jesus, their lives become different. We see it in the life of Matthew and Zacchaeus, these tax collectors who made a living off of scamming people. And when Jesus comes in contact with them, their life is no longer about how much money they can make, but rather how much money they can give. Jesus can radically change us. And if we look the same now as we did when we first accepted Jesus into our lives, then something is missing. We're being called to follow Jesus. And this isn't just a mental ascent to saying, I'm going to go where Jesus leads me. Rather, it's a complete reordering of the way we value things. Are we willing to value what Jesus wants us to value? And though we may not be perfect, Jesus still wants us. Probably the best way to show the change in these men I think, comes from Acts chapter 3 and 4. Uh, Simon, and called Peter by this time, and, and John, they're walking to the temple to worship God. And while they are there, they come across a man who could not walk. And so they come up to the man, and they cause the man to be healed in the name of Jesus. And as he is jumping up for joy, the crowds of the people in the temple, they're astonished. And they come, they say, why is this happening? What is the meaning of all this? And Peter and John, they preach Jesus to them. And as they're preaching, they're arrested by the religious leaders in the temple. And the next day, they're called in front of the religious leaders and they're asked, why why did this happen? What are you doing? And they again preach Jesus. And at the end of their sermon, we read this in verse 13, when it says, when they, the, the religious leaders, saw the courage of Peter and John 
and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. These religious elite, they had been studying their entire lives the scriptures. And they're astonished and amazed that these two men, these ordinary men, these unschooled men, could have such wisdom and knowledge. And they noticed immediately that they had been with Jesus. And that made all the difference in the world for them. Jesus wants us to change. And sometimes the reason why we don't answer the call of Jesus in our lives is because we don't want to change. Ultimately, Jesus is calling us to be a part of his crew. Jesus is wanting us to be on mission with him. He is calling us to come to him, to commit to him, to follow him as our leaders, to be fishers of men, who radically change. And Jesus wants that for us. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're the most educated person or if you didn't finish high school. It doesn't matter if you're poor or you're rich. It doesn't matter if you're young or you're old. It doesn't matter if you're in a wheelchair or you're the healthiest person alive. Jesus wants you. And you can answer the call. But what is keeping you from doing so? Are we afraid to give up control? Are we not willing to commit because we want to know what tomorrow is going to look like for us? Are we unwilling to follow a leader because we want that to be that leader of our own lives? Or maybe for you, the reason why is because you feel inadequate. What is keeping you from answering the call that Jesus has for you, to joining him on this mission. Too many times we let things stop us from answering the call. We feel un- unqualified. But despite all that, Jesus still wants you. And he's still calling you to be a part of his mission, to be a part of his crew, to reach the world, to be fishers of men. Will you be willing to accept that today? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for Jesus and his coming to this earth and providing an opportunity to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Lord, many times we question whether we are the right person. We question whether we have the ability. Father, when those doubts come into our minds, help us to remember that you called other men, imperfect men, to do great things for you. Help us, Father, not to doubt, not to question, but rather to just accept. To accept this call to be the fishers of men that you want us to be. Thank you for Jesus. His name we pray.